uh, it's my privilege today to read. And our first reading comes from Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. And it may sound familiar to most of you, hopefully. The government of the promised son. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. But when at first he highly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the days of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. For the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with government and judgment and justice from that time forward and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this and our second reading is from matthew chapter 5 uh, verses 14 to 16 matthew 5 You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And our final reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 29 to 54. Seeking a sign. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater one than Jonah is here. No one, when he has lit a lamp, this a lamp, 
could sit in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand. For those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is, eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is filled with light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and he sat down to eat. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward parts are full of greed and wickedness, foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things will be clean to you. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen and that men walk over and are unaware of them. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And he said, woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve of the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. And the blood of all the prophets which were shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the keys of knowledge. You do not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering, you hindered. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they may accuse him. May God bless to us the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our most loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again that you're a God who's spoken in the past through your prophets, and now you speak through your Son in these last days. And so, Lord, we do ask 
that you would indeed speak to us today. Lord, that we would see and savor the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that we would indeed be lights in this world that is dark. That you would cause us, Lord, to hear. And if we need rebuke, to be rebuked in faith. If we need encouragement, to enjoy the encouragement that you bring. So I ask, Lord, that you would help me to step aside now and that we would hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, Chapel Street. Morning to everyone online too. It's good to be back. I love being back at church amongst you. Always encouraged. And we're back in Luke, of course. And it's good to be reading Luke as a congregation as a whole. And of course, we're only giving messages out of small components in Luke, but to continue reading it is very good. You may have guessed already that today's theme that the Lord's brought through the leading and through the work now is about the supremacy of Christ. It's about the light that Christ is, and it's about the light that we are in the world. And so, if the passage in Luke confused you at all, you're not alone. It's a complex passage. And I understand from the commentators that Luke, of course, is, a, is not one of the 12 disciples. And he is writing his gospel by collecting the information from the eyewitnesses. And in this particular passage around the light, he's collected a bunch and put them together. He's appended them. And so to understand this theme of us being light in the world, we really need to draw on Matthew. Matthew gives us a fuller explanation and an expounding of the meaning of this. And so we're really going to be studying Matthew from Luke, if that makes sense. It's the word of God. It's all true. And I want us as we do this today to have this full consideration for ourselves about what it means to be lights of the world. Lights of the world. It's most important for us to understand how we, as Christians, engage with a dying world, with a world that doesn't know Christ. We're asked, are we not, by the Bible to be in the world, but not of it. We're asked to be in it as a light for Christ. We're asked to be imitators of God. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, therefore, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then Paul lists a whole load of things that are not walking in the light, that are not being the light of the world. And they're terrible. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. He says they mustn't be named amongst us. It's darkness. It's not light. As is proper amongst the saints, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking. He says they're out of place. Instead of those, we should be full of thanksgiving. He says that anyone that's full of sexual immorality, moral, say that again, immoral, or impure, covetous, which is idolatry, he says, you can be sure of this, they'll not 
inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. He says, don't be deceived. He says, therefore, do not become partakers with them. Be in the world, but not of the world. Do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, what it means to be the lights of the world in the world is very important. We're not living in a commune as some uh, bodies do. We gather here as a community, but we're living in that community out there. Community which doesn't know Christ and is dark. So we need to be good lights for Christ. When you think about it today, one of the major criticisms that we hear from those that don't know Christ about Christians is you're self-righteous. You do gooders. Sometimes that um, accusation is true. Sometimes it's false. Sometimes the world at large that doesn't know Christ doesn't understand what Christ through his body, the church, is trying to do through us. It's a major criticism. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Mahatma Gandhi famously said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. You really get something of the paradox, of the hypocrisy. We must understand and get right this idea of living as lights in the world. Otherwise, as the text will show us, people won't give glory to God, either in the church, by the way, or outside. So let's delve into Matthew. Let's try and unpick this a little bit. It's a fairly straightforward uh, concept. Back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, and we'll consider its implications for us. I'll read it over again. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. That's a pretty straightforward text. It's got two analogies in it that drive us to understand how we need to be lights in the world. The first analogy there is a city on a hill. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I'm hoping that's pretty obvious to us, but I did think of an analogy for us concerning, again, the Second World War. Sorry that for some reason a lot of my analogies go to the Second World War, but some of you may know that between uh, September 1940 and May 1941, the Germans bombed the United Kingdom almost every night. It's known as the Blitz. They came at night, 
and they bond. Let me ask you how they knew how to target cities. And the answer is they looked for lights. They looked for lights. Many of us have flown across cities at night, you see the lights. And in fact, the UK had what was, was called the blackout during that period. Turn your lights out. We don't want them to know where the city is. We get this idea very easily. You can't miss a city on a hill at night, right? The lights are on, there it is. We also understand that a light, uh, a lamp in the house shouldn't be put where you can't allow the light to illuminate the entire room. It needs to be put in a place where it lights up the room so you can see and you can see one another. So there's no darkness there. We understand these things very well. And he says, well, take those ideas and understand that in the same way, you need to let your light shine before others. In other words, you need to be visible. You need to shine in the presence of the world, in the presence of the church, in the presence of those that don't know Christ. Everywhere you go, you need to shine, and you need to shine brightly. We're living in the last days. We need to shine brightly. You need to let people see it. It needs to be visible. We say to you that right now you are shining. This is a great place to shine, isn't it? For Jesus, we've been reminded of this idea that we need to worship this supreme God who is Jesus Christ. And you shine brightly, you come in, we want to encourage one another, we want to hear from his word, we want to pray, we want to lift our hearts and our voices to God in song, and we shine. But sometimes when we leave here, it's a little bit dimmer. The light gets turned down a little bit more, and perhaps we do not shine so well. <clears throat> and sadly, as we've heard already in this text, our shining has a direct impact on whether people will glorify God. How we shine makes a difference to the way that God gets glory from people. He will get glory. In one sense, he doesn't need us, but he has given us a job to shine in this world. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. There's a clear link, isn't there, between shining well, good works, and God and his glory, getting glory. If we get those the wrong way round, if we leave one out, we leave the shining out, then the works probably aren't good in terms of their efficacy, their, their effect, their outcome. So how's your shining going? What's your life like outside of these doors? Some of us may be a little dim at times. Some of us may switch the light off. And I think we can just draw two simple things from this passage. Firstly, we do need to shine in a way that's visible to others. 
And secondly, our lights need to shine in a way that bring deeds that are qualitatively good for God's glory. Good works. It's almost a bad phrase in the Protestant church. Good works, but we're commanded to do them. They've got three points for us to consider in order to unpack what it means to shine well and have good, qualitatively bright, shining works. The first is, what is this light? What is it? What is this light that this text keeps talking about? What are the good works? It's number two. And perhaps the most important of all is number three. How do I do it? <laughs> How do I shine well for Jesus? Quite often it's good to know what these things are, but the application of them is what matters. So firstly then, what is light? Well, if you search the Bible for the word light, you will discover one thing. It's everywhere. There is so much in the Bible about light, it's hard to kind of contain it and work out how to bring it out into our lives or into a message. It's massive. But most commonly, light which is a real thing, we experience it, is used as a metaphor to equate to life. Light is equated to life. It's equated to God who dwells in unapproachable light, but it's equated to life as well, which of course comes from God. Think of the beginning of our Bible, creation. What is the first thing that God creates? light and God said let there be light and guess what it was so it became there was darkness and God said let there be light he created with light why because without light nothing lives nothing grows now some of you might say what about mushrooms Sam I know they go in the dark, but in general, you get the concept. Without light, anything that lives dies. We die if light vanishes from the cosmos. And so God starts with light, and he creates everything else after that. But listen to this. John 1.4, in him, referring to Jesus Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. Do you hear that? pretty clear john 8 12 jesus says i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life what kind of life are we talking about what kind of light gives what does this light give rise to in what kind of life well, everyone's out there living, they have a life. Is that what he's talking about? Or is he talking about real life? Is he talking about true life? We might add another word here, and that would be salvation. Eternal life with Christ, with the light. One of my favorites is Psalm 27, Psalm of David, where he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He's saved, that's what he's saying. Whom shall I be afraid of? Light 
is life, real life, real salvation. It's not just living in this world. I just want to make the obvious pretty clear to us. If you don't have the light, you don't have life. You don't have life. Colossians 1.13 says for us, for he, Jesus Christ, has rescued us, listen, from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son whom he loves, his beloved son. We're in darkness and Christ has rescued us from the darkness and put us into his kingdom. Darkness to what then? Darkness to light and then he says in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins that's life without redemption without the forgiveness of our sins then we are dead in our transgressions and sins Ephesians 2 we go nowhere except hell we do not have real life you, Chapel Street, Sam, you're the light of the world. You are the ones that have true life. So let your light shine. Why would you hide that? Why would you hide salvation from others? Point number two, then, what are these good works? Well, firstly, I want to say that the one of the good works is to testify to the light, is to share the good news, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's a good work. John the Baptist, he comes and the Bible says he came as a witness to testify to the light so that through him all might believe. So one of the good works is sharing the gospel. And some of us find that perhaps easier than others. None of us find it easy, but that's a light. Shining the light on the cross, on Christ, and the supremacy of Christ, dying for a dark, sinful, dead world. That's a good deed. I want to encourage you to do that. Make disciples, share the gospel. Being a light in this world also means that we need to walk in the light by the Spirit. Firstly, that means that we need to be producing moral good words, obedience to the call of Christ. Be holy. Be holy. That's a command, as I am holy. Be like me, imitate me. And we need to be repentant when we're not, as we fail. But there are practical things that we can do as well. There are lots of practical ways in which we can help others. We can help the body of Christ, but we can help those that don't know Christ. Think of some ways. These might seem pretty mundane, but they're real ways. We can do housework for people. We can do home maintenance. We can help people with the garden, childcare, babysitting. We can bring meals to people. We can go shopping for people. Does it sound familiar? I hope it does. 
can help people with finances, with things that are complex, legal obligations and so on, and serve the community. Hospitality. Some of you will be doing that today, won't you? I hope so. Sorry, I've got a very dry mouth for some reason. Being a good neighbor, visiting the sick and the lonely. The Bible says that true religion, this is James, is helping widows and orphans. We need to find them. That means those in need in the community, finding the poor, remembering that there are different kinds of poverty, not just monetary poverty, spiritual poverty, educational poverty. There are spiritual good works as well. Praying for others. That's a spiritual good work. When I hear you pray, you're shining your light. You're shining your light. Helping others with Bible study. Just reading the Bible with someone. Shining your light. Shining the light of the word into someone's life. Exhorting. Exhortation. Listen, going to work in a secular world and being moral is a practical way of shining a light at work, being generous, not just with your money, but with your time, with yourself, shining your light. One that you may not get straight away is coming to church. Coming to church is a practical way, a spiritual way or shining your light. It's one of the reasons we need to come. If you're coming to church and saying, I come here because I get this out of it, then you've missed the point. God's speaking to you. You're going to get something out of it, but you're also going to bring something to it. Guess what you're bringing? Your light, your life, your faith, your good works. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you come to church and do that? So I encourage anyone that doesn't normally or regularly come to church to do so. Because I need your light. I want it. I want to be encouraged by you. And hopefully it will be reciprocated. Listen, I know you do these things. And I want to encourage you this morning as you do them and you bring Christ into your life and perhaps you express Christ to those, your light and your good deeds will work for Christ's glory Listen, if the church loved in this way, maybe, maybe the church wouldn't be called hypocrites and self-righteous. Maybe they still would. The non-Christians don't really get it, but maybe they get something more of what we're on about in Christ. They just might feel loved by Christ who is the light of life. So point number three then, how do I do this? How do I shine for Jesus? You give me a list of things that we can do. You give me an understanding of what this light is, salvation, true life in Christ. But how do I do it? Well, my first point is don't start with works. That might seem ridiculous, but don't start there. We're good at that thing. Right? Oh, I better just do this. I better just do that. I'm good at good works. One sense in which good works are, frankly, quite easy to do. 
Don't start there. That should flow out of something else. And the thing that it should flow out of is your relationship with Christ. So the place to start is, as I said before, laboring to admit Christ into your life. What do I mean by that? Well, simply this, working on your relationship with Jesus. See, we can know things. It's pretty easy to know things and learn things. We can quote scripture. We can read it every day. But if it doesn't do something for our relationship with Christ, what's the point? He will simply say, I didn't know you. Who are you? Labor to admit Christ starts here, right here, right now in the church and in your private life with Christ. One of the unique things about Christianity is that we have a personal relationship with God. It's astounding. Just pause for a moment and think about that. Add to that this concept. He lives in you. Do you believe that? Do you truly believe that? That Jesus Christ, his spirit, the Holy Spirit is living, is dwelling in you. Do you think he wants to shine a light? I do. It's his job. <laughs> wants to point people to Christ. That's what he's about. Starts in the church. And it can be seen. And so often it's seen in the wrong way. But this is how it's meant to be seen. Listen to the Lord Jesus. He says, a new command I give you, a new one. <laughs> I give you a new command. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you hear it? By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. That's what the light is for. Rico Tice uh, from Christianity Explored in another um, series called Discipleship Explored tells a story of a friend who was working for many years in one place and tried to be a good godly witness. And when he left that job to go to another one, they had a little party for him and they gave him a present. And he was surprised and excited and he unpacked this present that they unwrapped it, that they'd given him. It was a book. It was a book about Buddhism. And he was somewhat shocked about this. And they said to him, well, we knew you were a good person did good things so we assumed you're a buddhist well, what was the failing the failing was that he never spoke about jesus he never attributed the good works to jesus but if you love one another and you express that you love one another because another has loved you the sovereign god of the universe and you connect those deeds to christ a hierarchical process it's a particular model that god has set up and uses and it goes like this he first loved us jesus christ is the one who loved us first it wasn't that we were in the darkness and turned up one day and said you know what i want to love god we might have had that notion but we were dead <laughs> jesus loved us he came down as the light of the world. 
And in response to his love for us, we love him. That's the relationship. And in response to loving him, we love the church. This is the order that it works in. In response to loving the church, guess what? We go out as lights and we love the world. We love the world. It's a hierarchical model. It's not primarily about works. Works are the outcome of our faith. Read James. That's what he's on about. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. If it gives rise, if faith gives rise to works, then we're okay. And if we love Christ because he first loved us, and if we demonstrate our love to one another, and then we go out to the world and love them in the name of Christ with a, a light, with the light, let me tell you, that's a city on a hill. That's a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. God gives good, well-lit works when we love him because he loved us. But here's the warning. Here's the caution for us. If you don't know Christ, you can fake your faith and you can do good works, but it has no power. It will never, ever bring glory to God. It's just good works. And so we need to be sure that we are the lights of the world. We need to be sure that we know who the light is, Jesus Christ. Because without salvation, your works are dead. You might say, well, Sam, how do I get Christ? I say, I'm glad you asked. So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to shine the light now. So if you don't know Christ, now's the time to listen. Now's the time to receive and know him and become a light and go out into the world and do good deeds for his glory. So I want you to know that you were dead in your transgression. You are dead in your transgressions and sins if you don't know Christ. You are on the trajectory of full judgment by God for your sin. And the result of that is hell. I mince my words here because God doesn't mince his words about hell and sin. Sin is simply dishonoring God. Missing the mark that is trying to love him and be holy. But you can't love him and be holy without him first loving you. That's the whole point. And so Christ comes. He steps down. The light of the world comes to this place. His creation did nothing to bring glory to him. And he said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Christ dies in our place. We say it every week, don't we? In your place, he dies. He says, do not punish Sam. Save him by punishing me. 
Let me take the, the punishment, the judgment from the wrath of God instead of Sam. That's what Jesus is about. And doing that, by the way, he brings maximum glory to God the Father. He upholds the law. He fulfills the law. He vindicates God's righteous character. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to scripture. He was buried. He was really dead. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead according to scripture, the Old Testament. That's the gospel. You don't become a Christian just by hearing it. You become a Christian by responding to it. And I want to say you need to respond to it every day. You need the gospel every day. It's the power to do all of these things. And so if you don't know Christ, I want you to know that he is your God, whether you like it or not. But if you do not come to him through Christ, through the power of the cross, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you will be condemned. And so come, trust him with your dead life, and you will become a light of life. You'll truly live forever. Trust him. Trust the one who died. Believe in him. Follow him. Love him. He loves you. He gave his life for you. Isn't that the definition of love? Isn't it? And so if you don't know Christ, come. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Oh, I'll maybe give it a look at the end of the year when I've got a bit of time. Some people say, oh, well, I'll come to Christ when I've sorted my life out. When I've patched up all the problems in my life, then I'll come to Christ. You know, you're just going to come to Christ with a patched up life. That's all that's going to happen. Don't patch up your sin. Come. Repent, confess who you really are, confess who he really is, and you will have life eternally. In closing, I just want to encourage you as lights. I'm standing here today in an unusual place. I can't see you as well as I want because I've got my glasses on. So, and I see lights. Lots of lights shining at me i see people here who have telephone ministries we phone people every week that are lonely or sick or in trouble in some way i see people that visit the sick i see people that go out of their way to convey people to hospitals and to do other things groceries and so on i see people here that create opportunities for the gospel and then take them See people here that read the Bible to others, knowing that it is the source of truth and enlightens those by God's spirit. I see people here that think discipleship's important. I see people here that struggle with sins and fight as a light in the world to confess and repent and grow in sanctification and holiness. Surely that's a good light in the world, isn't it? When others see that you're a sinner, when you make a mistake in front of someone else, when you take it to God, maybe even in their presence. Oh, I need to confess this. I've done something wrong. I need to repent. 
pray for mercy from my God. What a light. I see people here that take their job seriously enough that they desire to bring the gospel into conversations, to pray for people, to look out for people who are struggling. Say, so can I pray for you? It's a light. Others who have shared Christ at the risk of losing their jobs. People who are retired and have the opportunity to spend more time with people than they used to and do amazing things for people. I see people here who have learned to pray without ceasing. Not just in the morning or the night, but all through the day. Commit everything that happens to God. I see people here who pray for revival. Trust God has the power to bring revival in the last days. We still see others who are prepared to give a reason for the hope that they have within them. If someone asks you about the hope that you have within you, you're clearly shining your light, right? Shining God's light. I see lights. I'm surrounded by lights. And I want to say without being sycophantic in any way, you're a massive encouragement to me. But make sure the relationship with Jesus is first. All of those things will be dead without the light shining in you. I'm going to close now just with a beautiful verse from scripture and then pray. I encourage you to listen to this text again and to dwell on it. Maybe even close your eyes now so that you can concentrate and then I'll pray to close. This is Philippians 2. My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear, with trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine, shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, Paul says, I may be proud that you did not run in vain or labor in vain. Let's pray. Father, we just want to pause and thank you for Jesus, the light of the world, who came into darkness, a supreme God who created all things through him and for him, as we were reminded, Lord, came into this world. 
Lord, we didn't look for you. We didn't manage to reach you. You called out to us and we came and we saw the light. And we saw Jesus and we savored Jesus. And so we live. We have a light. And oh, Father, I pray that you would cause that light to burn in us. To burn in us, Lord, that our good deeds would abound everywhere. That people might know you that we would give glory to you. And those that don't know you might come to know you, Lord, and bring great glory to you. Father, we exist for you. Your word has told us that. And so I pray earnestly, please, please do this work in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. <laughs>